it is Adam, and we had the incredible opportunity to speak with Kabir Segel over Zoom video. Kabir is an author, composer, producer, investment banker, financial executive. <laughs> he's got a lot of different things that he's involved with, and he's an incredible human being. Born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, he talks about how he got into music and how it all kind of ties into all the other assets of his life. He talks to us about how he got into music, started playing piano, then moved on to trumpet, eventually landing on the bass guitar. He's a six-time Grammy Award-winning producer and artist, most recently releasing his record called Threshold, which is his first dive into the pop world. And he talks about how that record came together, how they recorded it, and the overlying theme for the entire EP. You can watch our interview with Kabir on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Kabir Segel. So this is all about you and your journey in music, really, and how you got to where you are now. Sure. I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're in many different worlds. So I'd love to, to chat with you, how, see how you get all this organized and sure. <laughs> how sure. you were able to wear so many hats. But um, first off, tell me, where were you born and raised? Uh, right here in Atlanta. Um, oh, okay. Not too far from you. I-85, right? Or I'm not, dude, honestly, I moved to <laughs> Nashville like six months ago. <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm from San Diego originally. I live in California my entire life uh, between San Diego and, and San Francisco. So I am so new to this. Like my son and I took a trip to East Tennessee uh, to go camping a couple weeks ago. And that's the most I've traveled here. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you keep going, you might be might make it down to Atlanta. I'd be happy to, to catch up with you in person. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. We cut into Georgia a little bit. Like it was weird. We we're going um, I forgot the town what it's called, but they had like white water rafting and stuff. It was pretty far east, but like you cut into Georgia for like 10 minutes and then you cut back up into Tennessee. It was bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Well, you made, you made it. You can fill it out on the map now that you've been to. I've been to Georgia. <laughs> so born in Atlanta, talk to me about uh, growing up there. Yeah, uh, it was an interesting time. You know, Atlanta during um was a great place to be. The Olympics were here and mm -hmm. it's a very diverse town, as you know, incredible musical influences. Um, but I got to tell you, I got really struck. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I got struck when I was in just um, elementary school, I heard a um, Miles Davis recording and I mm -hmm. could not believe it. I, you know, these people were improvising and it sounded so good. I was like, how is this even possible? And I, I just sort of went into this um, very deep, <laughs> journey pilgrimage into learning about improvisational music jazz music and that took me into the blues and rock and um, that was basically how i how i was struck with the bug of wanting to wanting to play music okay uh, so and it was right here in atlanta and in this mm -hmm. area that i that i fell in love with music that's awesome and uh, jazz because you're you're way into jazz i mean a great jazz bass player was bass the first instrument you learned Piano, then trumpet, oh, piano. Okay. and then everyone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone was playing. Everyone was doing rock bands, and I was like, "Well, everyone's going to need a bass player." So it was like supply and demand. So I just picked up the bass and fell in love with it because the low end. Um, I mean, every music needs a bass, right? Classical, mm -hmm. jazz, rock. Sure. If you don't have it, 
you feel like something's missing. Mm-hmm. And so I just picked it up in earnest and uh, it's allowed me to make friends with so, I mean, collaborate with everyone because the bass is an accompanying instrument. So you're just here to support other people. And mm-hmm. um, it's been a, been a great way to, to play almost every art form from polka to hip hop to everything. Sure. That's awesome. So piano is first. Did you, yeah. were you just put into it by your family, yeah. your parents? <laughs> exactly. Went there, but, but um, I would play the piano. I would, I would go to the course and I would always like to learn the bass lines. And on the oh. trumpet, I would always want to play the grooves. I was like, why don't I just play an instrument that grooves? Sure. So that's, that's why I kept on gravitating towards it. So you played bass. Did you play bass in the high school band? Or yeah. So middle because, school. Exactly. I was in the high school jazz band and loved it. And we participated in something called the Essentially Ellington Jazz Competition up in New York, put on by mm-hmm. Jazz Lincoln Center. And it takes 15 top bands around the country and they bring them to New York. We uh, we placed third one of the years wow. we did it, and um, um, it got to meet Winston Marsalis, who's a great jazz trumpet player, the head of Jazz Language Center. We struck up a friendship. He invited me to tour with him, to go on the road with him. Wow. And, uh, he yeah, just spotted you and knew that you're a great player and wanted you to join him? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, 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 I think so. And I think he, we really struck it off. We had a great conversation. And, and then, um, he, he's like, he's like, I like how you played the bass. And then throughout college and uh, he came to where I was in college and we, uh, his band came and I, I jammed with him there. And then I went on the road with him across the country. And it's, it was a really great education to be learning from like one of the best, if not the best mm-hmm. jazz musicians today about not just music, but life on the road and American culture. And that really informed uh, Adam, my philosophy, um, regarding making music about what kind of music to make, how to pick your projects, what kind of themes to explore mm-hmm. and to, um, to kind of, to move forward. So that's kind of my music journey. Um, and I, and I still collaborate with a lot of those folks I met in that, uh, in that band and in, in Winton's orbit. Wow. I mean, how do you have time? You, not only that you're in what banking and, and you've written a bunch of books and not only that, we have a bunch of Grammy awards like talk to me about how that all kind of, and you were yeah. you were serving the military too, didn't you? I did, I did. You know, I wrote this piece for um, for um, Harvard Business Review a couple three or four years ago, and it okay. uh, why I should have more than one career, and it went gangbusters. It's like one of the most viral pieces, and I, it was just sort of natural to me. And the reason I say this is because sometimes some of the great artists of our time. Um, you kind of have to work <laughs> a second career and your music career starts flourishing. And we sure people tend to hide that or which everyone teach their own, but uh, used in the right way, you can often, um, it can often create opportunities for you. And what I mean by that is after I graduated from college, I mean, I didn't really think I was going to be a professional jazz musician. I just, I just happened to be okay at it. Mm-hmm. And so I went into a career in financial services and investment banking. And I was like, this is interesting. And all my friends who are jazz musicians were needing capital for their projects. So I was able to bring capital and and talent together and start to make projects happen. And projects became bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, it wasn't just financial. I would start to play bass on the projects. I start to jam with them. And for example, I went down, I brought 40 people down to Cuba to make an album the day before um uh, obama normalized relations with cuba wow we didn't we didn't know that was happening but it was because i was able to identify capital from investors and friends and clients 
down to an, maybe an obscure jazz project, which they would have never supported. Mm-hmm. Project went on to win uh, a Grammy. And so, <laughs> or, but, but what I mean by that is um, the project started to become more social and more, more um, political in a way, because then mm-hmm. we, can, we can magnify it to get more press attention in a way. Mm-hmm. So we did this project a few years ago called American Dreamers, which we took 53 DACA recipients, 53 DACA recipients, and put them on an album and asked them to play the songs of America. Um, wow. Living in America, Immigrant Song, Led Zeppelin, all the great songs. And it was very emotional. These kids are being asked to leave the country, but they're playing the songs of America. Mm-hmm. Project went on to, with John Diversa, who um, arranged the music, um, Project went on to win three Grammys. And, and which was the second most awarded project of the 2018 Grammys. And, you know, I, I was able to leverage my financial career to support artists. And that's what's great about having a team, having an artist, having someone who's like in charge of the recording sessions, like just producing it. And so I, I got to a point where I was like producing 10, 15 albums a year. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to do this more full time. And so I, launched out and started making made my media production company and now i'm just producing records and films and and um launching my own my own music so books and <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot going on man yeah wow it seems like it, i love your mindset because it's like even when you chose the bass it's like you chose the bass to accompany other artists and just kind of be you know engaged in that sense and and that's what you you've done throughout your career it sounds like i mean to be able to find cap- capital gain for these projects and kind of be that that glue that's holding the project together. Yeah, you know, a lot of, especially in the music world, uh, I'll just say this, most folks are artists, great. They're focused on their career and they should be. But if you can, be, if you can move in this community and say, how can I be of service? Um, you're gonna meet a lot of people because everyone needs a little bit of help probably, or you can, and so my way of, um, moving into a room where I don't meet people is not what can I get from people, but what do you need? What are the challenges for your project? Is it finding talent? Is it writing? Is it capital? What is it? Let me try to be of service. And that's how I've um, thought of my music career is just trying to be of service to folks. And um, that's a, the more you put the glow on other people, it comes back on you. It's just this kind of law of attraction. You put it out there and it comes back. And I've been very blessed to be able to have that philosophy, but that's also Another reason to just make sure that, um, just for listeners, if, if it's, if you're in a rut or something, just ask, is there anyone else around here I can support or I can be helpful to? And when that happens, like you'd be amazing the opportunities to start to start to illuminate. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. I love that you said, um, artists always have to kind of, you know, when you're starting out, obviously yeah. I kind of have to have a side hustle a side gig <laughs> and 90% of the time you won't acknowledge that you have this side gig. It's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a guitar player in this band, but little do you know, this person's also doing 10 other things. They're working at, you know, Chili's and doing this and that and to, to support what they want to do. But it's always like, that's always the the forefront. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually write this newsletter where I, I profile people who have multiple careers who, who are, you know, who work in, um, university fundraising, but they're an improvisational actor on the side or because the thing is, that's all of us. I mean, like maybe you want to accent something for your social media or something, but you know, there's Walt Whitman said, do I contradict myself? Yes. I contain multitudes. We have many multitudes within us. And so uh, it's okay to 
um, share parts of your personality or parts of your job with the people that need to know. Maybe the mm -hmm. people at work shouldn't know you're a performing artist because they may not think you're taking your job seriously or the other way around. So um, I just I just embraced it. I try not to hide it. And uh, <laughs> but now I'm doing music. So it's it's a it's, I've sort of taken the journey. Sure. Did, so are you still involved in investment banking and or that world at all? I left it. I left it a few years ago and um, uh, banking and I decided to kind of kind of persist with making music and making films. Wow. Wow. What was there a moment that made you like, like kind of clicked in you're like, you know what, I need to get out of this and I need to put my focus elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I think mostly it was um, when we, we did a, we created this film called Fandango at the wall and uh, we brought a hundred musicians down to the border between us and Mexico and filmed a concert. And uh, then we sold the project to HBO and wow. uh, yeah. And then to Televisa and Latin America. So I was like, you know what, maybe there's an opportunity to do this more full-time and develop film properties and music properties and do this on a commercial basis. And so that's when I launched the record label and um, started doing more identifying more film opportunities. So that's when that happened, when it became really, really a um, financial, financial way to move forward and make sense mm -hmm. for, my, for my career. Wow. And you've written, I mean, you've worked on a ton of records, right? Like yeah. 70 plus albums you've, you've credited on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, but you have your, your own music out and you have, I was listening to this. It's like a, a, a musical about. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah. The opera with, about the European debt crisis. Like, did you, how involved, tell me about that. Like, that's such a, a yeah, fascinating I was, idea to kind of, put into a an opera yeah well i about i don't know um a decade ago i was sitting in my office um just watching the european debt crisis unfold on on like bloomberg on silent and all these folks were kind of disagreeing with each other and of course it made sense that they were disagreeing they're countries with different people different civilizations different music forms and i thought this is like a this is like an opera. Like, of course, this isn't going to end well for Greece. So I decided just to, um, to turn it into an opera and um, wrote the libretto and uh, cover with the music. And just, I mean, it took a while. We had to just, and it's called Angela's Ring, uh, mm -hmm. European Debt Crisis Opera, a review of a European Debt Crisis Opera. And we wrote it the first way and it was, it was okay. It was a kind of classical and it was boring. And then I rewrote it to make it more interesting and funny and like, jazz it's like a jazz opera and have, right. have, have a groove to it and then we asked a lot of my friends um in in the news media like steve leesman and betty lou who were on tv reading who were actual financial reporters to come into the courting booth and to read financial news updates throughout the opera at to at so it's sort of like a narration i mean mm -hmm. it's kind of boring you want to watch a financial news crisis opera not really but you have these but you have these like little snippets of like what's happening in the story. Right. That are fictitious. It kind of starts off with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the record starts off that way. Exactly. And that just sort of gives the listener an initial hook to be like, Hey, this is what's happening in the story. Um, it was a lot of fun to, um, to make it and uh, kind of a wacko doodle idea, but we did it and it took like five or six years to, to make it happen. Um, and now it's out in the world. <laughs> yeah. You've recently released it, right? This year. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah this year. Yeah, this wow. Year. And was that something you had been working on like 
alongside a million other things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we, we wrote it and recorded it and then like kept on tinkering with it. And um, then we wanted some different singers. So Lucy Schaffer is cast as uh, Angela Merkel and Brandon Snook, who is um, uh, Sarkozy. And there are moments that like, I mean, I've got certainly got a chuckle out of friends I used to work with um, because it's, you know, it's high, high fun jazz with groove and Steve Leesman is like jamming on the guitar and, and uh, it's just, I encourage people to check out a song or two. Follow Germany is my favorite single from that because it's a groove song and sort of gets the point across. It's like Angela Merkel saying, follow Germany, trust democracy, but follow Germany. And she's like, just trust me because like we're, we're in charge here. And that was like one of the problems with the European with, with the EU is like, I don't think people in, in Athens want to follow what people in Berlin are saying, but that's mm-hmm. how the, how it's set up because of the power structures of Europe. Sure. Have you always been involved or like uh, fascinated with, with politics? It seems like a lot of the stuff you do is involved, like politically. In yeah. Charge, somewhat because, so to speak. Yeah. Somewhat because I think um, it's a way of magnifying and I do it through music. It's a way of magnifying yeah. interest on a, on an issue. Like, American Dreamers topic, um, the album we did, like how many, you could write an op-ed saying, you know, let the dreamers stay. And that might get a million page views or like people will may read it if it's like a good op-ed, but if you make an album about it and tour it in red States, all of a sudden, and you're sitting in an audience of folks and these dreamers are getting up and saying, you know, playing their hearts out and you're, you're connecting with people, people's hearts and minds. And that's, I think that's the way you connect with people through through music and through and through enlarging empathy through film and drama so not all my music's political but certainly the big signature projects have been mm-hmm. um, but they're not partisan we're not telling people how to vote we're not telling people what to think we're just creating empathy through the music and saying hey you know what like these are just kids who are really good at music and they're talented and you can form your own decision but now you actually know who a dreamer is rather than just reading about them in the news so that's it's really exercises of empathy that I'm trying to, to uh, manifest in these projects. And I think that's the best way to go about it. Obviously. I mean, instead of just trying to force something down someone's throat, like you're never going to convince somebody to change their idea. And, and if you're just kind of speaking at them, but to like bring to light kind of what's going on and let them make their own decision on it. You're definitely, you know, and, and way better sitting way better in that person's eyes yeah 100 percent. i think i think you're right because people turn off they're like uh eh, this is like just propaganda or something so, you know, right exactly yeah so we try to avoid that and just be okay this is this is just music yeah they're dreamers playing it but you think what you you take what you want to take from it mm-hmm. um, so i always say focus on whenever i pick a project i'm like all right let's pick the theme or the concept of the project um, because a lot of artists will just launch into the music, but I think pick the theme and then, then create the, the music around it to support the theme, um, and make sure it's the best music you can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't sacrifice on that. We have a, and speaking of that, uh, you have a new project coming out here in a couple of weeks, right? And t- yeah. talk to me about the theme behind this. And it sounds like it's going to be a fantastic record. Thank you. Yeah. It's in my first pop, um, EP called Threshold and Threshold meaning that I'm, I'm launching something new uh, because I've been just collaborating with so many folks. And I decided, you know, as a result of the, really the pandemic goes, you know, Kabir, like I'm going to try to put some more music out 
uh, under my name and as an artist myself, because I've been spending so much time on, on Ableton and mixing records and, and just uh, in the grind. And so I just worked with a great songwriter. Her name is Creer Baxter. She's an amazing um, singer songwriter who writes, who writes great pop songs. So collaborate with her on a lot of these, on a lot of these tunes. And I was able to just identify great, great um, musicians, artists, singers to sing on these tracks. The first one being uh, um, somewhere between Fifth and Madison, Sona Rele, who uh, had a song in, in Cinderella. She's based in the UK. She's a great pop star, fantastic vocals. And we thought, why not feature a song? I used to live in New York, you know, I moved since the pandemic that um, highlights really a song that is about life in New York, somewhere between Fifth and Madison. And so these, all these four tracks are focusing on, are featuring terrific vocalists, women, uh, people of color, um, collaborators who have, who have collaborated with uh, over many times. Um, song Wasted Pages features Alyssa Ragu, who was a finalist in American Idol. Wow. And, uh, and Khalif, who was on the Dreamers record, who raps. And so just, again, talking about loss and love in, uh, in uh, our lives, uh, there's a, there's a, a third track, which is, a, I think, an awesome track. It's called Lizera Remix. I took a song from Emilio Soja, which is his, called Lizera, 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 which means, you know, come, 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 or arrive, arrive, arrive. And um, it was on his record, Puertos, which won a Latin Grammy. So I took that one track, which is a beautiful track, and we remixed it. I remixed it. Banu Manzo sings the vocal. She's a Latin Grammy-nominated artist. Danae Suarez does the rap. She's a Latin Grammy, I think, winner or multiple nominee. And that song is like hop, uh, hip-hop, trap, Cuban meets like big band jazz all combined. And like people who've heard it, they're like, wow, this is like a fresh new sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those that's these are the types of songs. And again, threshold, the theme means like new threshold music. I'm just going to keep releasing these pop singles and 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 um, hopefully putting out good music into the world for people to uh, to relate to. I love that. And was this a project that started amidst the pandemic or where were you at when? Yeah. When COVID happened? Yeah, I was actually in San Diego. I, was, I landed in San Diego <laughs> and to come see you. And um, but uh, for, a film <laughs> for a film festival and then it, it, I literally landed and I was like, it's really going to happen. And then I got an email that was canceled. So then I took a flight back to um back home and and um then i was just parked and uh decided to make some music we're all what are we gonna do you know when you put when you quarantine creative people they're gonna create so mm -hmm. we we're all creating in isolation so this this project is definitely just born throughout the pandemic and um it's been it's been interesting i can't wait to to uh to get out there and, and maybe tour or perform this stuff but it's uh it's definitely a pandemic baby Sure. Was it something that you had to facilitate over Zoom calls or internet or I mean, not internet, but email or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was all that. To get, oh, it was. So it was were you, tell me about that. Was that? Yeah. I mean, it was all that. It was, it was bouncing tracks between folks, between, you know, Greer, who sent me the initial uh, sound. And then, of course, me turning it into the MIDI and the waves and picking the sounds and and then trying to figure out who's going to actually sing these things. So I had reached out to Alyssa, who I worked with on another track, and Khalif, who I knew, and and then Manu Manzo and I had known each other, and um, we were working together on her album that's coming out. So it was just basically going to friends and collaborators 
saying, hey, and then working up vocal takes. It's hard to do vocal recording sessions virtually. I mean, mm -hmm. there, are, there is technology, but you know, the, the um, singers would send me their takes. I would give some guidance. They would send me their takes. Then I would have to sort of, you know, work with them and pick the best take and, and then figure out the FX and figure out the, the, uh, the levels. And that was definitely a process of um, trying to figure out what is the best sound and what's the aesthetic we're going for. Um, but, you know, certainly past the time during the pandemic, you can't go out <laughs> and uh, go to Chili's or something as you, and um, <laughs> sure, sponsored so, by Chili. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. We should we should look into them into them sponsoring this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, and obviously that's probably something you've never done before. Record it, put a record together via the internet. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, different. I actually quite like it now because it's efficient. Who needs a studio these days? No, but I can't wait to get back in the studio. And I have done a couple of recording sessions. Um, in the studio during the pandemic, but we were really careful about it. But, um, uh -huh. but, um, it's, it's something that I think is going to stay with, um, this industry because everyone now has a work. A lot of people have a workflow about how to work in this way to bounce tracks, to collaborate virtually. Um, it's hard to do a band, right. Uh -huh. Um, for sure. But, you know, music that's like quantized and that's like trap or, or, um, on a grid is not, not so difficult to make happen um, virtually, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's also something that can be done. Like you can work with somebody across the world now, right? You don't have yeah. to fly to Sweden to, to work with a producer. You just hop on zoom at some time that works for both of you and, and, totally. and try to write a record. Yeah. Sona Relay is based in the, uh, in London. And so she, she you know, we, we hopped on a zoom or two and talked about it and she, you know, is a great singer. So she, kind of knew what to do, um, provided some guidance and here's the, here's what I needed to record it at. Here's the, the levels and here's that, um, the BPM and so forth. And it worked out really well, but you're totally right. Um, I'm working right now on a project with a couple Indian guys and, in, in, I think they live in New Delhi. Um, and you know, I'll work on a track, I'll send it. And like that night I'll get feedback and it's like, we're constantly going, everyone, someone's always up, right. It, mm -hmm. it, they're, they're around the world. And so this project is like making momentum every day. Uh, that's another another benefit of of working virtually. Sure, sure. And the record's coming out in what two weeks from now? Uh, yeah, on the twenty seventh. Um, okay. It's called Threshold. It'll be available everywhere. A couple tracks are already out, pre released, uh, so you can you can listen to them. Um, Somewhere between Fifth and Madison's already out. Uh, Leisure Remix is already out. Um, I also worked with uh, Tana Alexa, who's a great Grammy nominated singer on um, What's Your Name. Uh, which is just a fun dance song. Once you hear it, it's like hard not to hard to groove to it. <laughs> so I'm excited for people to to hear it. And uh, and uh, if anyone everyone anyone wants to collaborate, just hit me up on Instagram or something. I'm happy to to be of support to the community. And maybe That's awesome. we can collab on something. That's really cool. And I'm I'd imagine you're working with a handful of artists currently on other projects. Yeah, seem like you're working quite a bit. <laughs> looking at your resume. Yeah, yeah, I always got something going. Um, you know, we only we only pass this way once, as uh, as folks would say. So make the most of it. And I like um, that. yeah, so I'm working on a on a bevy of things. Very cool. And thank you so much for for doing this, Kavira. It's been amazing. I have one more question for you. Sure. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I mean, start with where you are. Um, you're really trying to be the, um, the, the ideal version of yourself. I know it's tough when you look at other people, their socials or their streams, 
you start thinking about the other people more than yourself, just keep your, keep your focus on the craft and um, be, your, be the best for it. You're, you're in a race with yourself, not other people. And so the more you do that, I think the calmer you'll be. And then the second thing just is think about, put the focus on someone else. As I said, I know you want to make it as an artist, but is there someone out in the industry you can help? Are you trying to connect with someone? If you go to some, if I look at my Instagram right now, 97% of the folks in my DMs are like, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? Can you post this? Okay. But if you're actually contact someone and say, hey, I want to do this for you, all of a sudden you're going to go to the top of that inbox. You're going to go top the top. If you actually, if you start with active service, you want to get to know the producer, you want to get to know an artist, do something for them, be kind to them. All of a sudden, like you're going to be on the radar as someone who's actually kind and generous. So I would say that's a fundamental way of moving ahead in your career is access service and doing things for other people because you look, you look at a reputation and things want people want to do things for you.